Thanks for listening to another leadership podcast from Pastor Jurgen and the team here at C3 San Diego. To find out more about our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Thank you. Hey, can we put our hands together for the Cherish team and especially, especially, especially my beautiful bride who preached an unbelievable message last night called Franemies. Coming to a theater near you. Coming to a pulpit near you. Frenemies. Yeah, you need to bring it to the whole church. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, I tell you, I love... I love being married to such a powerful, prophetic powerhouse. Fantastic. Um, beautiful Christian. Where are you, Christian? Stay, stay standing, Christian. Christian met us at the door with two coffees, opened the door. I thought chivalry was lost. So I'm, I, let me just tell you this. The Pelicans, who are m- kind of my age and about maybe 15 years younger and then maybe 10 years older, no chivalry. I've, I've, been, I've taken Leanne. Leanne and I regularly meet at Starbucks, as you know, or a coffee shop. I've seen men see Leanne walking towards the door and they'll pace because they don't want to line up behind her. So they open the door and walk in, let the door slam shut. She's got to open her own door. And... Uh, but anyway, but Christian this morning, uh, servant heart, the guy is so talented, so gifted, so creative. Got such a beautiful spirit. There are model slashed actors, but there's no slashes here, folks. He's a model, and I'm just, so, I'm just so proud of you, Christian, and uh, you know, I know that God's hand is on you, God's power is flowing towards you, and, uh, and I, just, I just literally hear just God just saying, all you got to keep doing is if you just keep elevating Him in your life, you just watch, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the de- desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Satan is a sower. So he'll try and sow all kinds of desires in your heart. And I've just found that for me, worship, really the, 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 the uh, expression of worship is delighting myself in the Lord. There is, no, there is no more potent purifying force on planet earth than worship. You can walk into to the house of God with a jacked up, messed up heart. And as soon as you delight yourself in the Lord in worship, I'm not saying just singing songs. I'm just saying singing this song because I really like the tune. I'm saying actually worshipping. It will, it will weed out. In fact, there's, there's almost like a, a burning that will destroy and consume wrong desires and fill your heart with the right desires. And Christian, I just, over your life, there is no ceiling. You're just, you're just extraordinary. I wanted to, to bless you. I wanted to praise you this morning. Fantastic. And I love our team. Beautiful Bectoria was in hospital last week and then came and just lit it up Sunday morning. She's got to be married to a pea shamer to come, to like, to do that. That kind of resilience. That kind of power. Oh, I love it. I, I 
absolutely love it. It's great to have Dr. Matt here. Is that Dr. Matt right there? Can I see Dr. Matt? No, oh, it's not. <laughs> I thought Dr. Matt was in here. It's not Dr. Matt. It's, it's Justin. Yeah. It's Justin. Sorry, Justin. You had your, your head down. I thought, is that Dr. Matt right there? Sorry, it's Justin Rubick. Justin, thank you for driving my, my dad and Josie back to the airport last week. Yeah, you're such a machine. I had uh, six adjustments in seven days with my, uh, with my dad here. And uh, it, it, it was emotionally turbulent, but very fruitful. So uh, sorry about that, Justin. You're magnificent. You're not a, a Dr. Matt lookalike. You're just you're your own handsome, studly self. Amen. Anyway, enough digressing. Would you come with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10? Daniel chapter 10. If, if you wanted a title this morning, um, I, I believe that, that our quest really is this, this phrase that Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. If you said to me, hey, hey pastor, man, I don't know, what, what, what is my life purpose? What is my life mission? I would say your life purpose and your life mission is on earth as it is in heaven. What do I do until I take my last dying breath on this planet? With my last dying breath, I want to make it on earth as it is in heaven. What's, you know, 16 campuses around San Diego. What's, what's the point? Is it what's on earth as it is for heaven? On earth as it is in heaven. You know, the praise, the worship on earth as it, the creative on earth as it is in heaven. The Holy Spirit on earth as it is in heaven. Praying for the sick on earth as it is for heaven. Delivering people of demonic oppression and influences and destructive patterns on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So come with me, Daniel chapter 10, start in verse 2, because we're going to read the whole chapter. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words were like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face. With my face to the ground, slain in the spirit, overcome by the presence. I mean, how do you have that and then you're in a deep sleep? It's, he's trying to explain, man, I, I was slain in the spirit. With my face to, to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For, you have, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the f first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard 
and I have come because of your words. The angel was dispatched not because of God's words. On the very first day that you humbled yourself to pray, your words were heard in heaven and I was dispatched because of your words. The saddest thing, the saddest thing that could ever happen to the church is that she loses her words. If you, if you said to me, what is the number one thing? And you'll find governments. Thank God we have a president right now that wants to re-elevate the voice of the church. It wasn't like that before this president. Let me tell you, they were trying to shut down the voice of the church. They were trying to say what we say is hate speech. Because they know that angels respond to the words of the saints. Angels are dispatched because of the words of the saints. I have come because of your words, but, everyone say but. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. If he was left alone there, if you study it out, basically the suggestion is that he is left alone there because Daniel's the only one praying. He's probably looking around going, where's my help? Is no one else praying? Everybody else was so caught up in there. What's the point? We're in captivity, 70 years. It's, you know, the, the, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Sanballat, the Horonite, Gershom, the Arab, and Tobias, the Ammonite have shut it all down. Darius has written letters. It's all come to a grinding halt. What's the point? They're discouraged. One man is praying. The others are just discouraged. I guarantee you they're speaking words. They're just not words that make it to heaven. They're speaking words, they're complaining. But there are words that release angels. It's not complaining words. Now I, now I have come to make you understand what will happen. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people, <coughs> excuse me, in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I, I, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. Suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. And then I opened my mouth and I spoke to him who stood before me. My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord uh, talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is there any breath left in me. Verse 18. This is what I want you to underline. Then again... One having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now, why I, now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. And then it keeps going. And it's just a fascinating passage of scripture. But I wanted to just highlight and just, just jump in there on a few things. Uh, you know, I, was, I had the privilege of being at South Campus on Sunday. 
And uh, just to see the, the growth in the leadership of Pastor Drew and uh, Pastor Emma, uh, just, you know, the way that they shepherd and the way that they love their people. And it really became very, very obvious that what, what, what human beings need more than anything else is a word that strengthens them. If C3 is going to be known as anything in the community, if C3 is going to be known as anything, it has to be, that is the house. When you walk into that house, on earth as it is in heaven, this is an angel. And Daniel said, there was no strength left in me, but when he spoke to me, he strengthened me. He was trembling. He was on his hand. He says, I've got no breath left. I'm overwhelmed because of the sorrows of the vision and everything that's got the turmoil, the chaos, the struggle, the battle, the, the challenges, the divorce, the foreclosures, the kids on drugs. Because of no strength remains in me. And the angel spoke to me. And have a look what, what he says. He says, Oh man, greatly beloved. When people walk into C3, do they feel greatly beloved or do they feel greatly judged? Oh, you see, did you see the ink? Oh, did you see how short her skirt was? Oh, she's got a bit of a... Tr- oh, yeah, he's obviously, you know, batting for the wrong team. Do people walk in? Can people walk in and be greatly loved or do they walk in and they're immediately greatly judged and greatly categorized? Oh, man, greatly beloved, fear not. First words. Almost every angel that appears on earth has, you know, it, you know first thing they have to say is fear not. So it seems like fear is like the predominant default culture on planet earth. People will fear. They'll fear their marriage. They'll fear their kids. They'll fear the future. They'll fear, man, if I lose this job, will I get? They'll fear, man, are we ever going to be able to save up enough money to buy a house in San Diego? Maybe we need to move to Idaho. Maybe we need to, you know, it's amazing how many people make decisions according to fear. And yet the Bible says God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. So every decision you make according to a spirit of fear is outside of the will of God. It will take you outside of God's will for your life because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But you made a decision. No, no, no. I know what you've given me, God, but I'm going to listen to fear. Fear. Come and counsel me again. Fear. Talk to me about my future. Fear. Talk to me about the direction of my life. Whenever you make decisions according to fear, you are making, putting yourself outside of... I've made a decision that I can't, I can't control the fact that I have fearful moments and fearful emotions. I've just made a decision. Fear ain't driving. I'm not riding shotgun with fear. Well, what are we doing today, fear? Who are we going today? Okay. Fear ain't driving. In fact, fear's not even riding in the trunk. Shut up! You know, like... You know what I'm doing? I'm going to speed up to, you know, an illegal speed on the freeway, open the door and tell fear, is that, is that back wheel? And when he looks back, <laughs> don't ride with fear. Don't make decisions going in. Fear not. Watch this. Fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. When people come into our church, they need to know, don't fear. Peace be to you. When the angels appeared at the time of Jesus' birth, remember Jesus just been born in a barn in the tiniest little village in all of Israel, Bethlehem. And the angels appear and they're singing out in the, the, the fields where the shepherds are. And then they say to the shepherds, because the shepherds are like, man, what is this? The sky is lit up with this angelic choir. 
And the, the, the shepherds are looking up and they said, um, glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill on earth from God towards men. They didn't come to say, now your sins are going to be judged. I don't know what you've been up to. Like peace on earth and goodwill towards men. The, the, people need to know that God is a God of peace. That God wants to give you peace. When people leave our church, when they, when they leave our services, when they, when they sit under our preaching, do they leave distressed or do they leave with peace? Do they leave with, with another to-do list? Do, 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 do they leave with, man, I just suck. Oh my gosh. You know, I drove to church, but now I realize just how jacked up I am. And man, I've got 12 things I've got to do just to get to zero. In the words of Bono, I've got to run just to stand still. Or do they, do they leave strengthened? Do they, do they leave with Pete? Man, God, if God be for me, who or what can be against me? When I stop walking, He's going to carry me. When I'm in a storm, I've got somebody in my boat. He may be asleep right now, but if I can get along to a prayer meeting on a Tuesday morning for men or a Thursday morning, for I can, I can learn how to engage my spirit and I can learn how to wake the one who's sleeping. He hasn't forsaken me in my storm. The wind may be blowing, the waves may be filling in the boat, but I, got, I don't have to bail trying, trying to use my strength against the strength of a storm. There is something greater than the storm and it is the word of God. I can wake up my God who can speak to the wind and speak to the waves and immediately there's a great calm. Do people have peace and do people have strength? Are we strengthening people? Are we strengthening marriages? Are we strengthening relationships? Are we strengthening devotion? Are we strengthening? What words are we preaching on a Sunday? What words are we preaching in our Connect, Grow, Serve, Lead? What words are we preaching in our Connect groups? What words are we preaching? They have to be words of life. They have to be words of strength. And so, so I, I want us to, to, you know, as we move forward, because pretty much everybody in this room at some point will be teaching and preaching. And, and the, devil, the devil will look at your gift and he'll even look at your anointing, but he'll get you to wrongly divide the Word of God. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and encourages him to rightly divide the Word of God. Uh, I tell everybody that many, many years ago, I had a, had a particular gentleman in, in one of the armed forces uh, kind of asked to meet with me for coffee, and so I did. And so basically what it was was his wife had left him because this guy was a, a bit of a, a jack wagon, and, uh, and he wanted me to tell his wife that the Word of God says that she ought to submit. And so immediately I realized he uses the Word to browbeat her while he himself has his own little indiscretions. And if she pipes off about that, he, he wants to just, yeah, he, he wants to use the Word to, as a control mechanism. And so I know what the Word says. Husbands, you know, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. I know what that's what the Word says. But what he was saying was incongruent with the Spirit behind the, behind the words. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if that's the correct application. Yet he's quoting the scripture, but even Satan quotes scripture, just has a wrong spirit behind it. Satan quotes scripture, is just a wrong spirit behind it. And that's when God showed me in Ephesians 5, I think it's around 24, 25, that, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave his life for her, washing her with the water of the Word of God. And then I began to see every time that I had made some major errors in my marriage, it was because I felt like the Bible is the sword of the Spirit that I could 
used to just reassert my authority as the head of this house and make sure she, and it never works well. So then I thought, wow, man, maybe Leanne is insubordinate. Maybe she's rebellious. Maybe that's what it is. And then, then, then I would grapple with, because I, I, would, I would want that strength in other places. I would want that strength in the pulpit. I would want that strength when I had decisions to be made or when we were leaving one nation to go to another nation. I didn't need her to be weak and just docile and just beat down and, and defeated. I needed her to have strength. I needed her to rally. I needed her to be resilient. And yet here I was with a sword trying to attack the strength and then I needed the strength over here and how could I? And so it became a conundrum for me until I began to read in Ephesians 5 where my job when it comes to my spouse, the word is no longer a sword. It's water. Washing her, bathing her literally in the water of the word of God. So I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, well, what, 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 do I, what do I wash? And he said, Genesis. In Genesis 3, when, when Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden f- fruit, he said, I had to create a hierarchical order. I had to create a protective flow of authority. That's why the Bible says that, you know, Jesus is the head of the, the man. The man is the head. He says, I had to put a flow in there. So he said to the woman, he says, your desire will be for your husband so that he should rule over you. So a a woman, he said, is going to be insecure. She's going to need constant affirmation. She's going to need constant affection, constant approval. She's going to be insecure. And it's 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 the trade. It's the it's the barter. It's, it's the perfect harmony and dynamic of because of your insecurity, he, you will submit to his leadership unless he's a jackass, like, excuse me, jack wagon. <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> like, like this guy who wants to, to browbeat. And so I began to realize, I began to realize my job wasn't to expose Leanne's weaknesses. My job wasn't to, my job wasn't to, uh, take her vulnerabilities and use them as collateral against her in an argument, which is what a lot of, lot of marriages do. When you, we argue, we point out each other's weaknesses and, well, you're just like, and we just do that. And that never wins. God, marriage is two people uncovered. The sanctity of marriage is two people uncovered, which means that that a husband or a wife sees things that no one else can see. And, the, and the, the, the great privilege of that power is what you do with that. And so I began to see that, my, that my, my responsibility, my leadership with my spouse was to see the things that she's struggling with, to see the things that were her vulnerabilities, to see those things and now take the word of God and wash them. Wash away her. Oh, baby, okay. No, darling, you're anointed by God. Yeah, but I just feel like, you know, darling, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Yeah, but you don't understand. Like, I, you know, I don't pray as much as I should. You just gave birth to a baby. The thing is screaming all through the night. You know, Jesus isn't looking down from heaven. Can't believe she hasn't had a quiet time. Quiet time. There has been no quiet in our freaking house since baby arrived yeah but how could I get up and speak when because maybe the gifts and the callings of God are without 
washing, washing her in the water of the Word of God. And so, so in our churches, you need to understand that people come in and that they're struggling, they're distressed, they're broken, they're overwhelmed with all kinds of sorrows. Are the words, are the words that we're speaking, let's make a decision today because every single one of us are going to be ministers. What, what, what is the spirit behind the words that we preach? Are they words of greatly beloved? Are they words of peace to you? Are they words of be strong? Now have a look, he says it twice. He says, be strong. Yes, be strong. Be strong. Yes, be strong. God says to, to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Three times he says it. That there's a message from heaven. You know why? Because I find that, that, that I can get discouraged. And as soon as I get discouraged, I want to give up. Man, what's the point? This is overwhelming. This is too much for me. Who am I that I should? And it's so easy to live there. And yet when the angel speaks, he says, be strong. Yes, be strong. When people leave our church, has it been on earth as it is in heaven or are we just on earth as it is everywhere else on earth? Because if we're just on earth as it is everywhere else on earth, man, we may as well just, just shut up shop. I don't want to preach Reader's Digest. I don't want to preach, you know, coal working and release, you know, fire within, giant within, all oh, what the garbage. I don't, I don't want to just preach motivation, the secret and all that. I want to preach on earth as it is in heaven. I want people to hear the word of God. I want people to get the word of God and says, man, when I, when, when, when he spoke to me, the Bible says his words, when he spoke to me, his words strengthened me. So there was something tangible. There was something supernatural. There was an X factor on the words that came from the angel because they were undiluted. They were uncontaminated by the filthy cultures of this world. They came from an, a being who stood in the presence of God. Can I just tell you the greatest thing you and I can do as ministers of the gospel is stand in the presence of God. It will purify so that the words that come out of your mouth are not just words and they, they, they are not contaminated or polluted or, or defiled by this word world, but they, they carry heaven. And when they go into people, they, they feel beloved. They feel peace and they feel strengthened. They, they feel strengthened that, man, I can make it. You know what? We may come from three generations of divorce and right now we may be separated. But today... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swallow my pride and I'm going to go and I'm going to court her like I first courted her and I'm going to tell her how beautiful she is and I'm going to apologize and I'm going to stop being a jack wagon and I'm going to get flowers and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convince her that the man that she first courted is the man that I can be. We, we need to put strength inside of people. The second one is, because I'm taking a little bit, bit longer on this, is, is, is the second one is I believe that, uh, that there this should be a touch of God. The Bible says, and he reached out and he touched me, and I was strengthened. So I, I totally want to be a, a great word church, and I, I love it. I think that we got some of the greatest preachers already, yeah. and we're still developing a you know a second tier and a third tier and a fourth tier and a fifth tier and a sixth and a. I mean, I just want to. If we're going to have sixteen campuses, you know, running yeah. five services each, that's eighty services on a Sunday. I can't do eighty. Eight of us can't do ten. Ten of us can't do eight. If we have 20 people at their max doing four, that's like that means I've got 20 exhausted. So we've got to keep raising up preachers. We've got to keep raising up ministers of the gospel. So I want to make sure that we understand that C3 needs to on earth as it is in heaven. If heaven speaks words that strengthen people who are overcome with sorrow and grief and trouble and 
and they have no more, no more strength or vigor on the inside. But when they hear the words of the angel, they're strengthened. And, but the Bible says he reached out and he touched me. He touched me. This is, this is for you know, our worship leaders and our worship team especially. But it even I would say it even goes into the lighting and the creative. That, that there, there really is a tangible presence of God. And teaching people how to be sensitive the great danger is that, that, we, uh, that we can create uh, what I call parrots. You know, where, oh, hey, church, there's a great touch of God in here. It's a little bit like if every week I say, you're special, you're special. If everybody's special, no one's special. So sometimes we think, oh, it's a script. I've got to say, hey, church, isn't there a great touch of God in here? Don't say it if you don't feel it. Don't say it if you don't feel it. Let's, let's be authentic. If you don't feel it, ask why you don't feel it. Because maybe there's something in you that God is wanting to deal with. Or maybe there's something in the spirit. There's something in the atmosphere. Oh my gosh, I don't feel the presence of God. One, one time we had Vicki Simpson come. and, and uh, which, which congregation was it, baby? And she walked in. She says, oh my gosh, there's a religious spirit here. Was it a... 12 o'clock here. Oh my gosh. Is it? She immediately discerned that there was something blocking. And so she took authority over it and boom, and then the altar was full. And so, so if we just get up and say, man, there's a great touch of God in here. Now we, now we lie on our congregation and we can, we get them to think, oh, religious spirit is touch of God. Or, or when there really is a touch of God to say, oh, we, you the boy who cried wolf. We heard that last week and I didn't feel anything. Let's, 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 let's create ministers of the Spirit that know how to discern the presence of heaven in meetings. And if the presence of heaven isn't in meetings, then let's go back to square one and let's have a look. Is there not enough consecration in our devotion? Is, it, is, there, is there not enough blood in our worship? Is, let's, let's have a look. Is because in the Old Testament, the sacrifices all had blood in it. Because you can't have a sacrifice without a sacrifice. The, the whole thing, it's a sacrifice. But we live in convenience and entitlement. And the thought of sacrifice is anathema. Pastor, how come you, you know, you know are relentless on preaching about giving and generosity? Because I know the power of sacrifice. Cain brings the leftovers from the ground. There's no sacrifice in it. And God doesn't, God rejects his offering. We think God should be just happy with whatever he gets. God's like, yeah, you obviously don't know who I am. So let me now use this as an illustration to show you who I am. If I accept leftovers, what I do is I do you a disservice because I teach you that it's okay for you to give me leftovers. The leftover of your time, the leftover of your worship, the leftover of your affection, the leftover of your energy, the leftover of your priority. I am not a God of leftovers and it will go bad with you if you put me over here. Well, if I've got any time left, I'll give some to God and put something else first. No, no, no. You need to put me first. Abel brings a lamb, a sacrifice. And God accepts Abel, but rejects Cain. And God is making a distinction. And it ends up in Cain murdering Abel. But God still makes the distinction because he has to show for all eternity which one is right. 
And I have to teach people to put sacrifice in their giving. I have to teach people to put sacrifice in their devotion. I have to teach people to put sacrifice in their serving, in their volunteering. Without a sacrifice, it's impossible to please God. So there's got to be some sacrifice in there. And so sometimes there's no presence because there's no sacrifice because we're just giving God our leftovers. We just go through the motions. So we can presume God is blessing C3 San Diego because, man, you know, God has been waiting 2,000 years ago for C3 San Diego. Man, I'm not that stupid or arrogant. Well, no, 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 you don't understand. We, we just put out an album, Love So Wild. Oh, yeah, God's got to be so impressed with our album. And I'm sure God is impressed with our album. It's an awesome album. But don't think that He's going to show up just because... We've got cool songs or, you know, hey, you know, the difference between C3 and all the other churches, LED screens. We've got, we've even got LED screens in the foyer. Even our kids' church has got LED screens. And uh, God couldn't give a rip about LED screens. If we think that it's all the form, if we think that it's all of those, if we think it's the accoutrement of all of the religious trappings and trimmings on earth as it is in heaven, for God to turn up, we've made him feel welcome. For God to turn up, we've made him feel wanted. God is an invitation only God. God is an invitation only God. God says, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst. God inhabits the praises of his people. So God is actually waiting for you and I to create an atmosphere. I know that we sing a song, I'm waiting here for you with my hand. God's like, uh, actually, you guys have got that around the wrong way. I'm waiting here for you. I'm waiting here for you to create an atmosphere where I can come, where I can dwell. The, the, goal, the goal of church, and uh, Pastor Alex, I'm going to prophesy, Pastor Alex said it so brilliantly, is, is our church is an altar in between heaven and earth that's what our church is and so we want to we want we've got 90 minutes really in a service and we want to in that 90 minutes not just sing songs for the sake of we've got a, a song list and a checklist and a run list and all that kind of stuff we want to we want to create an atmosphere where God can come where he feels welcome where he feels worshipped he feels loved he feels honored he feels revered that's why when you give and there's no sacrifice in it, there's no honor. But when we give and there's sacrifice in the giving, God feels honored and His presence falls. His fire always fell on sacrifices, never fell on leftovers. His fire always fell on the sacrifice. And so creating that culture, we need God. When somebody walks in with stage four cancer, they don't need, oh, our pastor is so funny. They don't need, did you see the LED screen in the foyer? Oh, you got stage four cancer? Yeah, but we got an LED screen in the foyer. Oh, oh, you got stage four cancer? Yeah, but you know what? Our baristas make flat whites. Oh, we got the best coffee in Sandy. If we do all of that, we on earth as it is in heaven. Someone with stage four cancer needs to walk into an atmosphere and environment 
and say, man, why is my, why is my body shaking? Why do I, what am, what am I feeling right now? What is, what is going on in my, in, in my body? I, I can't, I can't, they need to step into an environment where the presence and the power of God is so great that they are just being healed. Nobody has even laid hands on them yet. Nobody's even prayed for them yet. On earth as it is, oh, sugar. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. I mean, I got another one. Prophetic insight. He says, I must show you what is to come. The church should be a place of prophetic insight. In fact, we've had prophetic hindsight rather than prophetic insight. Drum beats are from the devil. You can't play minor chords. Minor chords are from the Satan uses minor chords. Satan's got hands and he uses them for holding. You know, it's like. It's from a very bad movie. But anyway. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. The, the, the church has been the only one. We, we, we resist everything, not realizing. And, uh, and we're so backwards in our dress, in our fashion. Thank God we've made a decision that we're going to be different. And so we get accused of it's the fashion church, it's the good-looking church. And, and I'm telling you, they may be slinging it as an insult, but I'm, thank you, I'll take that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that insult. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Absolutely. The devil steals good looking. He wants the world to be attractive and the church to look so unappealing. Pfft, why would you go to church? Are you kidding those people? Listen, I can't afford to get dressed 10 years behind the times. Well, pastor, how does what you wear have anything to do with your message? The Bible says that God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. He's the only one who does. The Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance. God looks at my heart. So absolutely before God, I got to get my heart right. But before man, I got to understand man looks at the outward appearance. So if I'm dressed 10 years behind the times and I'm getting up preaching, people are going to sit there saying, well, what does he know about where I live? Because look at the way he's dressed. He's obviously out of kilter. He's obviously disconnected. He's obviously everything that he's preaching from that 2000 year old book is probably been lost. It probably was relevant 10 years ago because he may have been relevant 10 years ago. It is so imperative. We think that fashion is, oh my gosh, you know, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. He didn't say walk around nude, starving. He just said, don't worry about it. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added unto you. In other words, when, you, when your goal is to, to elevate the kingdom of God, when you're walking past, forgive me, Forever 21, HMM, you know, Zara, whatever your store is, Express, whatever it is, Nordstrom's, whatever it is when you walk past that, if you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you think, man, I like, that I like those shoes. On stage, me wearing that, people are going to be, man, look at the shoe. Oh, I'm going to be looking, like, I'm going to be popping on the stage because when I'm on that stage, I'm not representing, I'm representing God and I need to look cool. I need people to go, man, this church is a hip church. 
This church is a cool church. It is so important. It is so important. I, I know. Prophetic insight. Don't dress 10 years. Can I just give you permission? A religious spirit will try and dress you dank. I remember when, when I got saved, it was like a woman, woman shouldn't wear makeup. Women should not wear makeup. You know, because, and again, they, they take scriptures out of context that a woman's beauty shouldn't be the beautifying with makeup and, you know, jewelry and all that kind of stuff. Let her beauty be godliness. And, and absolutely, let her beauty be godliness. But Paul didn't say, don't wear makeup. There used to be a saying, if the barn needs painting, paint it. <laughs> Why? Why, 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 go through, why go through life being a, a 5.5 version of what you could be? Why, why, why be an 8? Why not be a 10? Why not take people's breath away when you walk in the room? My wife, when she left for Cherish last night, when she walked out of the car, took my breath away. I'm like, baby, you're so beautiful. You are stunning. Absolutely stunning. Let me give you permission. Men. Be really, really ridiculously good-looking. <laughs> Ladies, be stunningly gorgeous. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you, there's a difference between attractive and seductive. Seductive, you've crossed a line. You're using, you're using something that, that actually should be captivating. It should capture people's attention, but you're using, using it to manipulate because of insecurities or whatever in you. The only person that's seductive is for your husband at home. That was a word for somebody on the front row. Seductive is at home. Parlez-vous français? But be attractive. Make the most of you. Make the most of you. Do your hair. Brush your teeth. And floss. And use mouthwash. Deodorant. It's amazing. You may, you may have the most anointed word from heaven, but if thou stinketh, people can't hear a word you're saying by... Clean your house. Anyway, there's a whole whole message in there. I'm out of time. Yeah. All right. Let. I mean, there's there's so many. Let me and just the last one. The last the last thought. And I, I I'm way over time already. But the last thought was clarity around spiritual warfare. The angel said to him, "I must go and fight with the prince of Persia. When I and when I have gone, the prince of Greece will come." This is probably 50 to 60 years before the Grecian Empire under the leadership of a young man who's not even born at this time, Alexander the Great. He's, 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 he's not even a twinkle in his daddy's eye yet. But the angel says, let me just tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to go and fight with the, with the prince of Persia. And once we're done with him, you need to understand the next kingdom that is going to rule and have dominion change all the currency, all the literature on the planet into its language is the Greeks. 
the prince of Greece is going to be the next dominant power over the earth. And he's telling him this 50 or 60 years out. The church needs to get back to prophetic insight. We need to be on the cutting edge. We need to be on the innovation. We're the ones that our God created the heavens and the earth. And we're continually behind the eight ball because we told people that prosperity is wrong. We told people that visions and dreams are wrong, that imagination is wrong, that everything's from the devil. Man, we've got to take all of that stuff back. But the last one is spiritual warfare. He says, I'm going to go and fight. I'm, he didn't say I'm going to go and, you know, debate or chat with or negotiate. He says, I'm going to go and fight. There is war in the heavens. You know, the Desconso building, it should have been a done deal, but there's, there's spiritual warfare. The devil doesn't want us taking ground. The devil doesn't want us going East Campus. The de- but we don't, we don't live to please the devil. You know, we don't live to please the devil. We live to say to the devil, read between the lines. We live to take ground. We live, but we understand spiritual warfare. Jesus says, if a strong man, fully armed, guards his palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he comes, he must first overpower the strong man, then he can plunder his goods. So we have to recognize that all over our city, there are strong men. All over our city, there are demonic forces that have been elevated and worshipped. So they they are strengthened and they dominate and they rule. But when one stronger than he comes, Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, when we go, we go with all authority. We go with the highest form of authority. So we are, the church, under the Great Commission, stronger than any demonic force, any prince of Greece or prince of Persia. We are stronger than any prince over San Diego. But we have to first bind the strong man. Just because we're stronger... It's not who can puff out their chest. It's we have to first bind the strong man. That means that there's strategic understanding in warfare. What's the spirits over different regions? I guarantee you the spirit that's dominating over East County is, is different to the spirit that's dominating over La Jolla. In La Jolla, the spirit over there will be pride. It'll be mammon, the spirit of mammon, the wealth and money and pride. Out in, out in East County, it's, it's probably people, it's poverty. It, it will be a poverty mindset. It'll be a victim. It'll, it'll be a completely different thing. So we have to understand what it is. We have to identify and we have to call out those demonic forces and tell them they are bound, that they can't touch the people. And then we can go in and we can plunder their goods. You should learn spiritual warfare in the house of God. If we're not teaching spiritual warfare, well, pastor, you know, I just want to teach just a little homily on a My God, a homily is not going to save you when your kid is on drugs. A homily is not going to save you when you need to understand spiritual warfare. You need to understand there is a demonic force. You need to understand your authority in Christ. You need to understand how to discern the spirit realm. You need to understand how to bind the devil. You need to understand how to plunder his goods. We came to San Diego with $100,000 we put on our mortgage, a dream from God, and pretty much Pastor Andrew and nothing else. Obviously, Pastor Andrew is a great help. But I'm telling you, you know what we had? We had an understanding of spiritual warfare. We weren't letting the devil dictate or set the terms of our existence in the city. We... We know that there's resistance, so God gives us persistence. But even more than that, He gives us wisdom, spiritual gifts. That's why we're unafraid. When we have, you know, hey, if you need a miracle, 60 seconds of prayer, raise your hand. 
I love you know I love that you know all the people who have been brought up in religious bad teaching of you shouldn't speak in tongues unless they're an interpreter yeah when I'm speaking to everybody but right now the Bible says he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men he speaks to God indeed with his spirit he utters mysteries so in other words it's none of your beeswax I'm not speaking to you speaking to God whether I'm praying in German to God or whether I'm praying in French to God it's none of your business I'm not talking to you but if I speak to you Bonjour, comment ça va? Then, then I need to, I need to at least, in give you an interpretation if I'm speaking to you. But he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but speaks to God. And so I like that. I like people walk in. Whoa, this is weird. What language is that? This should be some X factor. On earth, as it, I'm telling you, when you get to heaven, you're going to be blown away. If you get to heaven, go. Oh, yeah, it's just as I thought. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's not as good as uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride at Disney, but, you know. When you and I get to heaven and you see the, the, the 24 elders, the living creatures and the throne with the river of glass, uh, you, your brain, if it was possible to take it with you, would be exploding on earth as it is in heaven. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for the mission and the assignment of C3 Church, every location that we put our hands to, Father, is to make it on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we know that you long to, to move in this city, that you long to touch hearts, you long to touch lives. And so, Father, I pray today, Lord God, that we would be a church in San Diego that is relentless in our pursuit, in our mission and our mandate to make it on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, if you receive that this morning, give God a great shout. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Church San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.